Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back to our Triune Pod. I'm Ben DeHart, and my lovely co-host here is Nick Kamiski, and it's his birthday. So what's up, Nick? Um, not much, man. 36 years old. Uh, I just want to thank my parents uh, for bringing me into this world, and I want to thank the uh, Orange County Police and the, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Did they, like, escort your parents to the hospital? Or? No, I was born in Pasadena, man. Um, yeah, okay. in L.A. County. Yeah, like I like I have anything to really rep. So you're you're an old man. You're a little older than me by a couple of months. You were both born in 1985. And my question for you, Nick, is what's your favorite song from 1985 or song lyrics 1985? I, I mean, I, I don't know any instances of the latter. Um, you asked me. I this can go about- through three right now. Bowling for Soup, 1985. Passion okay. Pit as a 1985 song. Um, and there's more, but go for it. I don't really, I don't really like either of those bands to be honest. I mean, passion bit was okay. Um, I saw, you told me this, you know, you asked me about this question three minutes ago when we started (laughs) recording and uh, I did, I did a quick Google search. Um, I didn't realize that meat is murder came out in 1985. Do you like, did you ever have a Smith's phase? I mean, sort of, kind of. Yeah. I mean like more later. Um, (laughs) definitely not when I was being born. Well, yeah, obviously. My parents were definitely not into cool music. They were into like the worst of the 80s. Yeah. Which some of our listeners will love. But I really like uh, Well, I Wonder from that album. That's a really good song. Um, Maybe maybe we'll have one of our friends of the pod Mm -hmm. put in a little clip of this music. um, Because I don't know how to do that technically. But this person, you know who you are. We're talking to you, Lucy. Dude, okay, before we jump in, can we can we do a couple of the reviews, man? Oh, sure. Sure, sure. I, I mean, mean, I was thinking uh, about posting these anyway, but uh, yeah, do you have them on hand or you want me to grab yeah, them? Yeah, I do. So, Ben, how many reviews do we have? I, I don't check. I think things. we're up to like 58 now. That's on 58. in Apple. How many of these are bots from the Cal St. G payroll? You know, like I mean, how many? Probably 25. Okay. Um, so, I got, let me just shout out three. Um, that I are two that I think are great. I think these are relatively recent. You just sent them to me. Um, one is like, it like is almost like a Google image, like algorithm thing, like a Google search algorithm of things that I'm into, but uh, here we go. <laughs> Ever since I started listening to our triune pod, my friends think I read the New Yorker and listen to indie bands, <laughs> intro and outro music slaps. I am prepared to praise like (laughs) that can't be real because that's just so like spot on but um, that's that's definitely one of your friends for sure yeah yeah yeah. we'll take it my okay this is my favorite ever uh Sarah 
Sarah of the from the Midwest. Her her code name is just Sarah Midwest. I hope you're listening to this, Sarah. And I, because I'm being in good faith, I'm saying this in good faith. The title, like this, is sincere. <laughs> like the best word to describe this is sincere. I love the show. It really makes me think and prepare for hearing and reflecting on the colics when I hear it again on Sundays. I'm glad they uploaded it the week before. A little bit broy, but in a good way. <laughs> Sarah, uh, that is so true. Uh, thank you. Okay, we can move on. And that's when we need to bring Adrian on because he's definitely broy. I thought you were a little bit more like a punk, but we'll take it. We'll take anything we can get. So, all right, let's let's pray the collect. I could actually find it here. We're at proper 15 and it goes like this. Almighty God. You have given your only son to be for us a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly life. Give us grace to receive thankfully the fruits of his redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Beautifully written. Nick, what do you, what do you make of that? Well, I think what this colic does is in prayerful in, in the in the form of prayer gets at the the grammar of our the New Testament, the grammar of our salvation. The uh, indicative precedes and makes possible the imperative. So because God has done something, given his son to be for us a sacrifice for sin, it issues in this imperative, this doing, this example of a godly life. And the prayer itself. So that's the in, that's the um that's the truth that we ascribe to God. The actual request uh, is to receive grace, to, um, to to receive grace, to receive thankfully the fruits of God's redeeming work, so as to follow in His blessed steps. So it's just that notion that what God makes true of us and makes possible for us through the work of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, creates this world in which we can obey from within. You know um, that that I'm sure you might quote this in a second, but that P that PZ line about belovedness. Um, proceeding loving, right? Um, so yeah, that's that's what jumps out at me, just the kind of logic of salvation that's so prayerfully and eloquently articulated in the collect. Yeah, I mean, I think you could say when you're loved, you love. I mean, I think of a friend of mine right now who's just, he's had a, a horrible just life in general, like parents who uh, put up, set up for adoption, his adopted parents were awful to him. He's been through multiple marriages, has just felt abandoned his entire life, never really known love. And it's really hard uh, for this guy. I mean, most of the people I know, my, my experience as a priest, if you have that kind of background, you're in therapy and you're on meds your entire life. Like every week you're talking to a shrink, you are, you know, adjusting your doses on the regular uh, but for, for my friend, it's just, you know, be, because he doesn't trust people to love him because he's always ready for someone to abandon him. He can't really hear someone say love. He can't really hear someone say, hey, it would be really healthy for you uh, to go get those meds, to go get that therapy. And I think what this collect is really getting across uh, with what you just said, right? The atonement is first. And with that in mind, we are asked to live walking Christ's steps. So yeah, when you're loved, 
you love. Yeah, oh, man, that's cool. That's I mean, that's a very very difficult story. Um, yeah, it also reminds me, and I think about this in the context of, you know, lately I've been thinking about managing employees, to be honest. <laughs> but but uh, it's something that I think you I've heard you say, but that you got it from um, the Leander Harding, the pastoral theology professor at Trinity, when we were there. That um, unless people, it's something to the effect of like, unless people perceive you to be moving towards them, they will never receive like feedback or what's, what's the adverse yeah, one, that um, aphorism. He says, people can't hear you until they're moving towards you. People and in my experience in ministry, that's so true. People yeah. can't hear you until they're moving towards you. And yeah. I mean, how much do our Twitterverse friends need to hear that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any Twitterverse friends, to be honest, but yeah. And I think, you. you know, you, you can like kind of root that in, um, you know, who's that therapist everyone really likes, uh, the Episcopalian, uh, she's great, but you know, who is Brandon it? Brown. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, you can kind of root that in that type of psychology. Um, and I'm sure she would even say this, but that, uh, that she would even, she would even say that like, well, that's true on the, on the horizontal sphere because it's, true in the, in the vertical sphere, you know, mm -hmm. um, if people won't hear you unless, what is it? Gosh, man, <laughs> people can't hear you until they're moving towards you. People can't hear you unless until they're moving towards until, you. Until they, that's what's tripping <laughs> me up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> God is moving, you know, this, what this collect is saying is that God is moving towards us. He's given his son to be a sacrifice for sin. And therefore we can hear him. We can see the example of Jesus as a as the most joyful, glad, justice-seeking, loving person who ever lived and truly want to follow in his footsteps. Not because it, we have to obtain his level of sanctity in order to feel good about ourselves, but because God has irrevocably moved towards us in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, does that make sense? The way that like our horizontal actions kind of mirror and mm. reflect that which God has already proved to be true. Totally. What I'm thinking of, is if you've only got the horizontal, if you've only got, we have an example for godly life, if we've only got the indicative or the uh, imperative to follow daily in his blessed steps. I think of the movie Atonement. Did you see that? It's based on the Ian yeah. McEwen book. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, seen it. I mean, 13 years ago. So I'm sorry, guys, I'm going to totally spoil it. Uh, but in that book, there is this 13-year-old girl she misinterprets an act between her older sister and the housekeeper's son. Uh, she thinks that, you know, he's, I'll just say it, he's like essentially you know, violating her and steps on the line. She accuses him and he is sentenced to prison. Only years later, she finds out that this was not that at all. And in fact, with her accusation, she's ruined his life. She's ruined their relationship, which they were keeping secret. And her sister, her older sister, who was so mad about this, who left the family who go to, go, to go to war, she dies. So there's, there's no way that Brioni can, you know, make right what had gone wrong. And uh, I mean, if you've seen the movie, you know that as it goes on, this 13-year-old girl decades later is being interviewed. And in the interview, she talks about this book that she's written, this autobiographical book, whereas at the end, she makes her older sister 
and this, this guy she was in love with, they fall in love, they meet up, they're reunited after the war, everything is great. And what she is saying is she's trying to essentially make atonement. She is trying, this is all the horizontal thing. She, you know, this is the best she can do to approximate justice. Only the truth is she can't make right what has gone wrong. And what I think that this colleague is doing what PZ says this collect is doing is it's telling us there is one who can make right all that has gone wrong. Mm. There is one who can rectify, reverse, and undo the pain that's been caused. And this is good news, obviously, for, for victims, but also for victimizers like, like you, me, and, and this 13-year-old girl. It's a, you know, it's 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 saying essentially that we can make reparation, we can make restitution. And we, we don't have to submit to despair knowing that we can't undo what we've done. God's going to do that. We can make restitution in light of the fact that he will undo these things. So it's, it's not to get in God's good graces. It's essentially because we are loved, because we are forgiven, we are free to make that restitution. Or as we were saying at the beginning, when you know you're loved, you're free to love. So I love that you said that. You need the vertical with the horizontal. Uh, I mean, I've got friends who try just the horizontal, but I mean, that's not good enough for me. And, and as I said earlier, that doesn't undo all that has gone wrong. Mm. Yeah, I, I like, you know, I like too that the cock, the actual prayer, give us grace to receive thankfully the fruits of his redeeming work. Um, I mean, the, the fact that we are encouraged to pray that gives us license to say, like, well, it, it's a recognition that, you know, just quote unquote, hearing the gospel or understanding that Christ died for your sins, or, you know, just the way that we can so easily and flippantly make statements like that, like they can, they can just bounce off you, like throwing a dime on a concrete wall. And we really need for God, the Holy spirit to be present within us in such a way that we would receive thankfully the fruits mm. of his redeeming work. You know, I don't want to root this too much in a kind of pietism or like the inner life is the sole end of religion, but it is to say like, yeah, you can grow, you know, because of our dullness and our proclivity to pay attention to other things. Like you can just grow kind of spiritually inert such that like Christ dying for your sins is like, yeah, I mean, okay, whatever. I heard that when I was like 12 at some young life camp, like not that excited about it now, you know? And I think the, uh, but it's, you know, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is, right. To convict, mm. convict us of sin and to allure us into the beauty of the gospel. Um, so yeah, it's also, that's also just a good reminder. Like, yeah, if you're not excited about what God says about you, you are a new creation, then like ask for the grace to receive, thankfully, the fruits of his redeeming work. <laughs> you know, that's like totally. a legitimate prayer too. Yeah. You know, like, and if, and if you're not asking for it, uh, it's probably going to come to you, but through your sorrow, <laughs> through your, through your suffering, like God's no, going to hunt you down um, and get it into you. Um, so why not, why not pray for it now? <laughs> so, that, so that maybe God doesn't do that. <laughs> Just <laughs> totally. I know, dude, I, so it reminds me in a very different way that church that I was at when I was like a late teenager, this very intense charismatic church used to talk a lot about appearing before the great judgment seat of Christ. That was like awesome. a very motivating poll. Um, and you know, it, that you can, you can laugh at that like I just did, but that is true. Anyway, the, the, the pastor used to say like, I'm always asking God to like, make me aware of my deficiencies now. 
And, you know, which is not a bad prayer, but what he would always say is, Lord, shock me now. So I'm not shocked then. It's like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so listeners, I may, may God shock you now. <laughs> so you are not shocked later. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, prayers. Well, hey, man, I would just want to say one other quick thing. I would be remiss not to mention another fantastic song from the year 1985. Ooh. And that is Living in America by St. James Brown. And I think oh, we might gosh. use that as the outro music. Thank you, uh, Midwest Sarah or whoever they want is who shouted out the, the intro, the outro tunes. Um, but okay. Almighty God, you have given your only son to be for us a sacrifice for sin and also an example of godly life. Give us grace to receive thankfully the fruits of his redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.